0: Welcome and greetings. True worth and online, we want to say welcome to you as well. If this is your first time here, we want to say a special welcome to you. Everything that we do is for you. And if we haven't had a chance to meet, we invite you to the Welcome Center to make sure you get your gift and also to say hi to our amazing Welcome team my name is Cheyenne Davis. I serve on staff here as the director of parent ministries and last week We put a call out to the congregation that we were still in search for a hundred small group leaders to come and invest in the lives of Children and students and 50 people stepped up. Thank you so much If you're still looking for a place to serve Please stop by the resource wall after service and we would love to tell you how much fun we have with children and students It really is a pleasure to be here with you today as we wrap up the sermon series, Total Package. Have you all enjoyed the Total Package? Man, I have enjoyed it. Yeah, we can clap for that. I have enjoyed it so much because, and it's kind of given us some homework to do, right? Because we've wrestled with some barriers that may keep us from seeing ourselves as the Total Package. We've wrestled with mental health. We've wrestled with addictions, distractions. We've wrestled with who is on our cloud of witnesses, and are we lacking vision? Today, we're going to talk a little bit differently, and today we're going to talk about what do we need to put in place around us to make sure that we are experiencing abundant life. Today, we're going to talk about healthy boundaries, and boundaries is a topic that is so much fun for me to talk about. Um, Because I think boundaries are key. But here's the thing what I've noticed is that when we're following Jesus and we're trying to think about boundaries to put in place, sometimes it's hard for us that are following Jesus to figure out how do we put a boundary in place. And that's kind of what we'll go through today. Today is very informational, um, not so much inspirational, because what I did is I kind of skimmed 10 books by Henry Cloud, and your message note serves more as a resource today. So you're going to walk away with a resource kind of telling you Boundaries that you can consider in your life to truly protect what God has given you so that you can see yourself as the total package. I love how Henry Cloud defines a boundary, and it's this it's a property line, the point where one person ends and the other person begins in relationships. So think of your lawn. Are you responsible for mowing your neighbor's lawn? No. Whose lawn are you res- responsible for mowing? Your lawn. And so a boundary quickly tells us what we are responsible for and what we are not responsible for. Putting healthy boundaries in place has a lot to do with how we can see ourselves as the total package. So we'll go through today and we'll figure out how we are doing. First, we are going to get really grounded in Scripture because the Bible has a lot of great boundaries. And we're going to go over just one today. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand high. We would love to place a Bible in your hands. For those of you that have your Bibles or you use your Bible app, go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. Hang out there, though. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We would love to put one in your hand. You can borrow this Bible. You can have this Bible. But we just want to make sure that you have one. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 is where we can find evidence of the first Boundary. Let's read it together. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And this, this boundary was to Adam. So God had created light, land, animals, all the things, and he had created Adam to be in charge of this beautiful garden named Eden. And it was like God was saying, Adam, my man, you have one job. You got one job, Adam. Don't eat from that tree, but everything else is fair game. And you look like you need some company, so let me make you a friend. Fast forward to chapter 3. We'll hang out there, verses 1 through 6. And chapter 3 is famously known as the fall. Eve has been created And the serpent enters the scene. And now the serpent's one job was to test the boundary that was put in place for Adam and Eve so that they could be safe, so that they could experience abundant life. Spoiler alert. Nothing has changed since Genesis. God is still very clear about some of the boundaries that he has in place for us, not to keep us from experiencing abundant life, but so we can experience that and understand that we truly are the total package. We see in chapter 3, verse 1, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say don't eat from that tree? So you see the boundary is being tested. The credibility of the person who put the boundary in place, is being tested. Verse 2 says, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it, or you will die. So Eve knows what the boundary is. She knows where the boundary is. And she knows what will happen if she crosses the boundary. The next verse goes on to say, and don't we hear this so often, You won't die. That's not a bad idea. You won't get hurt. The serpent says, you will certainly not die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the more time we spend with temptation, the closer we get to crossing the boundary. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it, she ate it, and she gave some to her husband. And he ate it as well. And before we know it, the boundary has been crossed. Let's talk about what happens when boundaries are crossed. I was roaming the halls one day and someone said, Cheyenne, do you know why sin entered the world? I said, Well, Mr. Gentleman, I think I do. But why don't you tell me just in case I don't know what you know? And he said, It's because of women. (laughs) I said, Well, that's really beneficial. He said, it's because Eve didn't have any self-control. I said, yeah, we're about to experience that again. (laughs) But I didn't say that because I have a boundary in place, right? (laughs) But isn't that so true? You see it even in Genesis. When God shows up, and man, I know you would never do this, but when, when God shows up, Adam says, that woman you gave me. And Eve says, that serpent, God, that serpent. But here's the thing. When a boundary is crossed, the only person responsible for crossing the boundary is the person that crosses it. And don't we see that in marriages today? We see it all the time. Well, God, if the woman that you gave me would just stop complaining, I could get so much more done. Or God, this man that you gave me, if he would just be the spiritual leader that you have called him to be, we would not be in this trouble. But just like Adam and Eve, like we know the boundaries. And when the time comes for us to cross it or not, the only person responsible is us. So we're going to go through some boundaries from listening and from some of Henry Cloud's books, just some good boundaries to consider. Some of them we're going to fly through, so... Buckle up, we're gonna do this. Um, It was a little difficult for me not to get overwhelmed when I thought about all of these boundaries. So here's a couple of keys, and this is where we get to use our message notes. Here's a couple of keys that we can start thinking about placing healthy boundaries. And the first one is set one boundary at a time. Because when you set a boundary, sometimes they need to adjust. And you need to do it with prayer and wise counsel because so often, especially when people are involved, When we want to place a boundary, it's when emotions are high. So set one boundary at a time after prayer and gather wise counsel. The next one is search the purpose behind your boundaries. If you're placing a boundary out of love so that you can experience relationship in its full, it's probably a good idea to place one. If you are placing a boundary around yourself so that you can self-preserve you and your mental health, probably a good boundary. But if you were placing a boundary out of punishment, so if you were withholding love and relationship from someone because you're mad at them or because you want to punish them, probably not the best reason to place a boundary. And we're going to use this one verse to kind of frame our time because, again, sometimes it's hard to follow Jesus and understand, well, you tell me to love everybody, but my neighbor is unlovable sometimes, right? So boundaries kind of help us dig into that. And we're going to use Proverbs 4.23 to really frame our time together. And Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. We could probably take a behavior snapshot of you and probably know, I know you could with me, know what's coming from your heart. A boundary that we hear always being challenged in families in today's society is the first one. It's boundary, setting, and time. And here's the thing about time. Time's just like money. If you don't have a plan for it, there's a chance it might get wasted. So simply plan your time. That's in your message notes under boundary, setting, and time. We're going to do a little exercise. So I hope everyone's awake. Um, You're going to see the words personal underneath the create A, and then you're going to see one, two, three. In these three blanks, think of your top three priorities as a human being, as a person. Think of your top three. Not, uh, not your professional life, but what is the top three things that are most important to you? So if you get nothing done all week, what are the three things that must happen for your mental health, for your spiritual growth? What are those top three things? Minds reflect on scripture, um, date my husband, and family meals. Those are my top three things. So you think about your top three things and write them down if you know them. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to look at time spent the last seven days. So take a mental field trip over your last seven days and besides sleeping and besides working, where did you spend most of your time? What got the majority of your attention? For me, mine is the gym. Um, Mine was family meals. I did that. And then mine was dating my husband. So think about where you spent your last seven days, the time that you have spent. And even if you don't have these, this is a great exercise to do. Anytime life shifts or life changes, because as life around us changes, so too do sometimes our boundaries. And let's do some moral math today. If you've gotten your time last spent the last seven days, look at that. Look at your top three personal priorities and ask yourself, do they match? Because if your priorities are truly your priorities, they would actually be listed in how you spent your last seven days. And if they're the same thing, great, you're doing an amazing job with your time. You're super efficient. But if they don't match up, there's a chance there could be a boundary that needs to be put in place so that you can achieve what you say is your priority. I'm going to show you my calendar, and for my, um, for my organized friends, you're going to love this. For my free-spirited friends that never need to write anything down, this may stress you out, but when you think about planning your time, it's like a time budget. Dave Ramsey talks to us about having a plan for our money, and this is kind of how my time budget works, and I'll be real honest, I went to the gym, I did my four family meals, but my top priority, reflecting on scripture, I did not make a plan for. And I thought about lying to you, but that felt wrong. (laughs) So I didn't. But isn't that so true of us and our priorities? We say one thing, but are we truly living what we know is life-giving? Or are we spending our time on things that are not life-giving? The next thing is create a mission statement in your message notes. Create a mission statement. We should have a standard, or we, we, it's important to have a standard to filter everything that we say yes to and everything that we say no to. Create a mission statement is an easy thing to do. Think of yourself as the CEO of your life. And we know that any great company has an amazing mission statement. And anytime an amazing organization brings someone new onto their company, they're making sure that the person that's coming is in alignment with the mission. When they engage in activities or events, they're making sure that the activities and events align with the company's mission. Do the people in your life align with your mission? Do the things that you spend your time on align with your mission? Create a mission statement. The next thing is going to be, we are going to fly through boundaries to consider when it comes to technology. And the reason we're going to fly through this is our family camp speaker. Family camp is July 21st. We're going to have a technology expert and he's going to go in depth. Um, about all of our technology boundaries, but I'm going to fly through these. I just wanted to make sure you have them. When it comes to technology, above all, you have to show yourself grace. We've never had as much te- as much technology as we do today, so that means that we are all, along with our kids, are learning how to navigate it, and it's difficult sometimes. So make sure you show yourself grace. But the first one is just set time limits. In the Davis house, it's summer. And so Monday through Friday, if the kids want to get up and watch TV, they have 30 minutes of chores to do, and then they get 30 minutes of TV. Setting time limits on technologies, anything with a power button. Set time limits. Tell your time what to do. The next one is turn notifications off on your cell phone. This is a big one because we, just, we have information right at our fingertips, and some of us have a fear of missing out. But if it's a notification that you don't need, like the weather app, your emails all the time, Like, do you really need to know when lightning strikes on the weather app? Maybe not. Turn your notifications off. For me, I just don't like the red. Like Every time I see red, I'm clicking it and scrolling through it, I'm not even reading it. I'm sorry if any of you have texted me this past week, I just don't like the red. On my notifications. So turn your notifications off of the things that you don't need and see if it makes a difference. Jennifer Hayes is on our family ministry team and she did something brilliant. She designated a ringtone and text tone for everyone in her family so she knows very instantly if it's a phone call or a text message that shouldn't wait or if it's a phone call or text message that can wait. Notifications are big. We have boundaries set in place. That third one is read restrictions and ratings. So many times we get questions of when should we do this for our kid? And if you actually look under age restrictions on all social media platforms, the age is 13. And that's not Cheyenne saying that, that's not the church saying that, that's under age restrictions. And our students are not going to like this, but in the UK, they have just passed something to where now the new age limit is 16. Because there's more and more studies coming out every day in the fact that our mental health, our depression, our anxiety, Suicide is linked to how much of our identity we find through our devices. Read restrictions and ratings. And, and you know what, if you let your kids watch something that is outside of a rating, just use it as an opportunity to speak life into them. And it kinda sounds like this, hey, you're 11 and I'm gonna let you watch this PG-13 movie because I trust you so much with the content and I just trust that if you have a question, you're gonna come to us with that. We've already watched this movie We hope you have questions, but we trust you with this content. Speak life into them. Make it a meaningful moment. The next thing is create no tech zones. So that means places where you're not using any technology. Um, There's some prime time real estate moments where connections can happen, and that's morning time, meal time, drive time, bedtime. Create no tech zones. The next one we could spend days on, and it's boundary Setting and relationships. And setting boundaries and relationships are so tricky because God calls us to be in relationship. We know that we experience God's goodness in relationship, but what do we do when we have a relationship in our life that emotionally drains us? What do we do when there's a relationship in our life that is a negative influence on us? Well, God calls you to abundant life. Boundaries are important even when dealing with people. My best advice to you is, if there is a relationship in your life that is toxic, or if there's a boundary you need to set within a relationship, I recommend having a counselor in place and having a spiritual mentor. Because the times when you wanna put boundaries in place is oftentimes when emotions are high. And sometimes you and I don't make the greatest decisions when our emotions are high. Counselor, spiritual mentor. Let's dive in. We're actually going to go to friends first, so it's on your right-hand side. And Jesus is such a good example. Jesus was a friend to everyone. And we know that whoever met Jesus experienced love and friendship from him. But however, even Jesus had an inner circle. Even Jesus had a group of people that he did life with. And so when we're thinking about our boundaries and our friendships It's really important to name our inner circle friends. So that's in your message notes, number one. And an inner circle friend is someone that knows your strengths, they know your struggles, they know your weaknesses, they know all the things. And in your free time, I do encourage you, this could be some great homework, name your inner circle friends and name why they are your inner circle friends. I've had an inner circle friend for 22 years of my life. Her name's Casey Henderson, and God sent her to me at 15, and she has just been a pillar of positive influence my entire life. So even as you name inner circle friends, know why you're naming them. And as soon as you start at the top and you start naming who your inner circle friends is, it's easy for you to figure out who you need to bring in close and who you need to love from afar. Because love can happen on any layer. But healthy boundaries are important to make sure that we're doing it to the total that we can. The next one is name outer circle friends. And outer circle friends could be people that you just meet. It's your, it's your friends on social media. It's people that you work with. It's people, um, it's people that maybe you go to the gym with that you say hi to and you talk about life. Name your outer circle friends. These people are not the people that you would share your struggles and your secrets with. That's Inner circle conversation, name your outer circle friends. Now these people could eventually be inner circle friends, but the most important thing to remember about them is that they are a very mobile group of people when it comes to where you are. So that means they come in and out of life. So many times we see people, um, they trust everyone with everything about them and then when that person doesn't stay in relationship with them, they feel rejected or embarrassed. Or their self worth is wrapped up in the fact that this new friend didn't stay. It might be because we trusted an outer circle friend with inner circle information. The last one is name your toxic friends. And I know there's not a blank there, but this is an important one. A toxic friendship is when the needs of one friend are being met consistently, while the needs of the other friend are being consistently overlooked. Toxic friendship, it's very one sided. And it's also important to check our own toxic tendencies. When I was in my 20s, I thought the world revolved around me. It was very eye-opening when I started realizing, goodness, everybody else's world doesn't revolve around me. What's wrong with them? I remember getting my first paycheck, and I got it, and I said, who is FICA, and does he know who I am? (laughs) Because I thought the world revolved around me. When I had my kids, I just expected everyone's life to stop and revolve around my kids, and that's not healthy nor is the expectation. So make sure you're checking your toxic tendencies as well. The next relationship that could use a boundary check, we're going to the bottom left where it says dating. Here's the thing you need to know about dating. You need to date like you believe you are the total package. Don't date like you think you are damaged goods. Date like you're the total package. Boundaries in dating is hard because today, dating is very much like a sport. It's very mobile. It's not either of those things, nor it should be. The first one is know the purpose of dating. And the purpose is to find a spouse. It's not because you don't have anything to do on the weekend. It's not because you're bored. It's because you are actively seeking a spouse. We actually have a document out on the resource wall that can work you through all of these things and help you name these things. The next one is name personal values because a value system is what we should date from. So many times we date from a broken idea of how relationships should go. Sometimes we date from a broken heart just trying to fill that void. Name your personal values. Date from that. The next one is describe who I am looking for. So describe who you are looking for. And this is so important because it's like goal setting. And if you aim at nothing, there's a chance you'll hit it every time. (laughs) Describe who you're looking for and dream big when you do this. The next one is name your deal breakers. Now, that is not my social media is on point and his is non existent. That's not he drives a Chevy and I'm a Ford girl. That's not a deal breaker. A deal breaker is if you see abusive tendencies in their behavior. A deal breaker is if they say they have control over their temper and over their alcohol use and over their drug use, but something just doesn't seem to match up. A deal breaker could be if you choose to wait until you get married to have sex and your date does not agree with it, that could be a deal breaker. Name your deal breakers. The next is find mentors. We have a church full of mentors that would love to have a conversation with you. They're actually marriage mentors um, to help you frame what healthy boundaries look like. And you may think, oh, that escalated quickly. We went from dating to marriage mentors. But that's the purpose of dating is to find a spouse. And then the last one is, this is so important, and this is something it's important to have in place before you ever go on your date, but set physical boundaries. So that means the date probably should never end in any place intimate, like a bedroom. Go on group dates. Have an exit plan when you do go on a date. And be ready, this is the boundary that will be tested the most when you're dating. It's really important to know what that boundary looks like and sounds like and how you're going to respond when it's tested. Set physical boundaries. The next relationship is right above that is marriage. Marriage is a lot like our friendships in which we need to select like-minded friends. Matt and I can kind of be easily influenced, so when we think about selecting our like-minded friends, we needed to make sure that they were people that believed in the structure of marriage. I didn't grow up in a healthy marriage, my husband did. We needed people speaking into our lives that understood that marriage is hard, but it is so worth it. Marriage is never a drag. It is an adventure. Select like-minded friends. After that, protect the dignity of your spouse. Simply talk positively about your spouse. Now, joking together, laughing at each other, that's healthy, as long as you're both laughing, right? But protect the dignity of your spouse. Matt is super friendly and super social and we had friends coming in and out of our lives in the very beginning. And there was a friend that was over that day. He was in our apartment and he looked at me and he called me the old ball and chain. And he started laughing. I started laughing with him because I was like, that took guts, but you're out of here. You're gone. And it's because he had no boundary to understand that the dignity of our home, the dignity of our marriage was more important and then it was a conversation with Matt, and I would say, hey, Matt, like, this, this man didn't want to be your friend. This man needed a place to park his emotional baggage, and our marriage is not a parking lot for that. Protect the dignity of your spouse. And know that you need to have friends that you can, when you're having a bad day, you can talk about your spouse, but there's always a way to do it with dignity. In your marriage, the next one is guard conversation with others. Social media has made this so tricky because our high school sweethearts can reach out on social media now and say, hey, looking good. How's it going? And it's so easy for us in our brokenness to think, oh, my marriage is in a bad place, so God must be calling me out of this relationship into another. That's not what that's evidence of. It's evidence that there is still an enemy ready to still kill and destroy the structure of marriage because God shows up in the structure of marriage. Guard your conversations with others. Matt and I do this thing. This may not work for you, but when we text people of the opposite sex, he's he's on the text feed with me and I'm on the text feed with him. If there happens to be a a, a text feed where we are not on on each other's text feeds, I'm handing the phone saying, hey, I'm having this conversation. Not because my intentions or his intentions are in the wrong place. It's just we live busy lives, and the integrity of our marriage and the integrity of our friends' marriages, we just don't have time for that to be questioned. Three is a great way to have accountability without ever having to say a word. Try it sometime. Guard your conversations. And then the last one is plan intimacy. So that means emotional, date your spouse. Physical, I don't think I have to explain that to you. Plan that with your spouse. And then spiritually, plan spiritual intimacy with your spouse. Plan ways that you're going to grow because there's nothing harder than when one spouse is growing in one direction and the other one is growing in a different direction. Plan spiritual intimacy. Um, The next one is parenting. So often we get this question, what's the formula to a, a perfect, thriving, successful kid? And there's not one. We could probably bring all of the seniors back up here today, and we would find some basic boundaries that were followed, but we would also probably find a lot of differences. So here's just a couple of general things in parenting, and that is know your role at every phase. Five and under, you're like a micromanager. You're doing everything for them, and you're telling them exactly what to do. 6 through 12, you're, you're not a micromanager anymore, and for us micromanagers, that's hard to make that transition. And 6 through 12 is like a training ground. The home is the training center, and the world is where they're figuring it out. Overfunctioning for them does not help them. 13 is a mess, right? Because 13, we move from being a trainer to really a coach. So we do some training, but we do a lot of motivating. And we're letting them fail, which is so hard. But we're letting them fail in the context of home. So in hopes by the time 18, they're 18, they've failed enough to know how to navigate failure and conflict. And at 18, your job's not done, your job's just different. Your advisors, your encouragers, your prayer warriors, know your role at every phase, and then know your child at every phase. So going back to those micromanagers, so often we, um, when they move from five to six, they're like, they don't want to do the things they used to do, or they're not listening to me, and that's okay. That means that you've done a really good job parenting at five and under, and they are ready to test out how they're going to do. Know your child, and make sure that you're parenting them towards their identity, not yours. The last one is, we've got time. Toxic relationships, let's do this. Toxic relationships are so tricky to navigate because most of us, we just want to do what God calls us to do in the relationships that we have. And we feel guilty if we have to put in a boundary, but the truth is is that some relationships are toxic. And if you have one in your life right now, here's a few few things that you can wrestle with. And the first one is you have to understand reality. If you're waiting for the day that that person looks at you and says, I've been part of the problem this whole time. I am so sorry. I am ready to see a therapist for my narcissism. <laughs> Sign me up. The reality is, is, they may not ever think that. They just may not. Because toxic people are not thinking of ways that they can change their life to make it better. Talks that people are thinking of ways you can change your life to make their life better. The next one is, is you have to understand your responsibility. I know a lot of big-hearted people that say, I just feel like I'm making them better and that's a boundary issue because you're not responsible for their better. You're responsible for your better. Or I think my influence is really impacting them in a positive way and that's probably not true either because if it was they wouldn't be toxic anymore and you wouldn't be emotionally drained and the last thing is gather wise counsel i've had to navigate a very close relationship that was very toxic in my life and the times that you want to ban people from your life is not when things are going good But when you've been hurt for the hundredth time in a situation that you have seen play out a hundred times, and in that moment you think, I'm done, gather wise counsel when you are thinking about toxic relationships. Because in all toxic relationships, we need to get to a place to have compassion, and in some severe cases, it's okay to let that relationship go. But remember, Counselor and spiritual mentors are important here. The last thing is boundary setting and emotions. And we're not even going to ask you to fill in because we knew that the time would be short. But there's a lot of basic, general boundaries that we can put in place. When it comes to emotions, they can look different for all of us because what we are bringing emotionally to the table is different. For example, I shared my recovery story last week. The boundaries that I have to put in place of the places that I go and the things that I do may look totally different than the boundaries that someone on the other side of that fight, decades away, has to do. But please, consider your emotional boundaries. Because it's in our emotions that we can get things really messy. We've given you a a few things to look at, but I want to end here. When you're struggling with mental health, addiction, distractions, whatever it may be, it's okay to have boundaries in place, not so you can keep everything out and you can stay safe, but so you can start letting the goodness that God is trying to allow to penetrate your life in. See, boundaries keep all the bad stuff out and it allows us a space for good to surround us and influence us. When you're thinking about your emotions, I'll leave you with this. Show up, worship together. If you don't worship here, find a place to worship. Our college friends that are going off to college, whether you're going, not going to college, trade school, whatever you're doing, find a place to worship, even if you don't know what you think about God. Because when you show up and experience worship, it changes how you start to see the world and how you have a place in it. And the next thing is, when it comes to emotions, if you, if you battle with emotions, negative self-talk, negative thoughts, whatever it may be, find a place to serve. Don't wait till you get better to serve. Find a place to serve before you ever get better. Because when you start serving in a faith community, it changes how you see yourself. And when you're consistently showing up to worship, when you have found a place that gives you life and serving, you can start thinking about how you can grow to a place and believe that you truly are the total package. Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. You are worth protecting. God's given us boundaries. He's called us to abundant life. So let's live like we are called to abundant life. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, we just thank you so much that in this room there has been journeys, there has been storms, there have been been moments of chaos, God. And even if we can't recognize you in them, God, we know that you're there. God, we know that you can use everything that happens for the glory of you and for the glory of your kingdom. And there's a lot of next chapters and next steps in this room, God. And for those that have clarity on what that may look like, God, I just pray that you give them courage to relentlessly chase whatever it is you have in front of them. And God, sometimes you are not clear on where you were calling us. And if that is anyone in this room, God, I just pray that comfort and peace just overwhelm us in the fact that you've got this even when we don't know exactly what's coming god you've got this and god for anyone in this room online or at true that may be wrestling with i don't deserve anything that you call me to i don't deserve this abundant life anything that's happened in our past god we know that that is not what qualifies us for abundant life You've already qualified us to live the life of abundance. Thank you for giving us a chance. Thank you for loving us when we're unlovable. Thank you so much for Jesus. Amen. You guys have a great day.